Uh, Sister Shannon is not here, but she spoke a, a great word on Thursday night about high imaginations. So if you guys are missing out on Thursday nights, you're missing a really great uh, service and stuff. That was a good word. As a matter of fact, it brought something back to my memory when she was talking about high imaginations, how we have to cast those down. I got into deer hunting about five, six years ago, and I went out with my cousin. He took me out to where our deer stand was going to be. And in, in, this, in these woods, it was so dark. Even when you were walking through in the daylight, it was still dark. You know, and the birds were flying. You think of those old movies where they're all like, beware, beware, beware. You know, it's like really pretty, really dark, kind of scary. And so uh, the next morning, he takes me out there about 4 o'clock in the morning. He puts me in the stand and um, takes off. He goes probably about a mile or so down the way, and I couldn't even see him. It was really dark. And um, so all of a sudden, I'm sitting in this tree stand. I'm a city boy, all right? It's really quiet. It's pitch black, and all of a sudden, I start hearing all these noises. These noises were like, just like, Someone was walking in the woods. It was like really pretty scary if you've never been out there before. And I was just like, what is going on? So I'm camouflaged. I close my eyes. And I'm thinking they won't see me because I'm thinking of all these things. My imagination is starting to go. I'm thinking of every scary movie I've ever seen, The Blair Witch Project, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street. And all of a sudden, all these scary images were coming through my mind, like uh, Bigfoot, zombies, my wife's cooking, all these, all these, you know, all these different, all these scary images, you know. I was like, I was pretty scared, and this, this noise is just getting closer and closer, and it stops right underneath my stand where I'm at. And um, so I'm sitting here trying to think, and this, all of a sudden my tree on the side starts shaking, and it's, something's crawling up the side of the tree, and so I look out of the side, and there's this like, big old raccoon that crawled up the tree. But, you know, I, it was probably this big, but in my mind's imagination, it was like this big. And that, that taught me right there, man, you know, first of all, don't watch no more scary movies. And you have to really bring your thoughts and your, your imagination under subjection, you know, casting down those thoughts and stuff. So that was just a side note. So anyway, praise the Lord. It's good to be here this morning. The Lord dropped something in my spirit a while back that I really felt was for me and also for the church. And um, I was praying about some things. I was asking the Lord, you know, why some ministries just take off? Why do some people seem to be just so blessed in their ministry and it just grows and just different things? I have that type of personality. I like to ask questions. So I was asking this to the Lord and the Lord just dropped right in my spirit, just, just like that, expecting, having expectations. Having expectations that the Lord's going to do something in your life. Because the Bible says uh, all things are possible to those who believe. And that when we pray, we need to go to the Lord in prayer and expectation. The definition of, expecta- of expectations is a belief in something will happen. The act or state of expecting. Because, see, we can go around the city in, like, every corner. Quick stop, Walmart, AM, PM, and you can see people that's lost their expectations in life. That have no hope for today or for tomorrow. Going through life but not living life. And Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He goes, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. So my question to you, church, this morning is, what are you expecting from the Lord? What are your expectations in your Christian walk, in your ministry, for your family, for your home? What are you expecting the Lord to do for you in your life? Because, see, the Lord wants to do things for us. He wants to bless us. Why don't we expect blessings from the Lord? Why don't we expect the Lord to bless us and answer our prayers? And one of the biggest reasons I found is unworthy, feeling unworthy. 
And if, if you turn to Acts chapter 13, it says this. It goes on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. And they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It is necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. They judged themselves unworthy of the things of God, the gifts of God that God had for them, and it went to the Gentiles. So how many times do we judge ourselves unworthy when the Lord wants to do things in our life? Because the Lord wants to do a lot of things. He has all kinds of things for us, church. Let me just make this thing sit here, see if it'll stay. By the way, I wrapped that. <laughs> and it's like this. The Lord has all these things for us as a church and as a body and a people. In this is healing. In this is victory. In this is deliverance. And this is hope, peace, joy. All the things that you have need of in your life is in this gift from God to you and me. But a lot of times, how many times do we judge ourselves unworthy to receive what the Lord has for us because we feel unworthy? We'll sit here and we'll look at the gift. You know, it looks good. I wonder, can I have it? We just walk around it and we, we just look at it. You know, we see it, but we judge ourselves unworthy to receive it. Because, church, there's believers and there's receivers. There's a lot of people that believe in the Lord. They believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They believe that God loves them. But when it comes to receiving what God has for them, they judge themselves unworthy, and they never receive the things God has for them. And God has things for you today. And he's wanting you, faith to arise in you, and you begin to expect the Lord to do things in your life. Lord, can I do that? And the Lord says, yes, you can do that. You can have an awesome ministry. You can be free from drugs, alcohol, addictions. You can do all these things through Christ. He's this, if you have an expecting spirit, when we go to the Lord, pray with an expecting spirit. Call those things that aren't as though they are. Speak faith into existence, into your life. Believe you can have these things. And the Bible says all things are possible to those who believe. Everything we need is in Christ. It's in this box. Just have to receive it. It's like this little boy in a candy store. He went in the candy store, and the, the store owner saw him. And he, he, he knew he was poor because he had bad clothes on, and he, and he was just looked real raggedy. And he goes up, and he's looking at this big candy jar, and the, and the store owner sees him, and he says, Son, just reach your hand in there and grab all that you can get with that one hand. And he goes, It's free. It's on me. And the little boy just kept looking at the candy, candy dish. He says, Son, did you hear me? Just reach in there, grab everything that you can have. It's free. And the little boy just kept looking at it. And so finally he got a little upset with him and he went over and he just reached his hand in there and he pulled out this big old hand of candy and he reaches down and he gives it to the boy. He said, here, it's free. And the little boy looked at him, smiled and said, your hand's bigger than mine. <laughs> How many of you know today that God's hand's bigger than my hands? It's bigger than your hands. That he wants things for our lives. He wants to bless you abundantly. More than you can even think, comprehend um, and hope. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in, uh, where is it at right here? In Revelation 12, it says, Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength, honor and glory. See, church, because receiving this, 
is not about our worthiness. There's nothing you can do in your life to be worthy of the things of God that God has for you. It's not about what you bring to the table. It's not about what kind of life you live, how rich you are, how not rich you are. It's because he's worthy. Because he's already purchased everything that you need in your life. He died on the cross. He shed his blood that you could have that life and have it more abundantly. He is worthy. Everything he did, he did it for you and me. He's worthy. It's nothing I can do. Guess what? When I'm, when I'm on the mountaintop, he's worthy. When I'm in the valley, he's worthy. When I'm, feeling, when I'm healthy, he's worthy. When I'm sick, he's worthy. When I have money, he's worthy. When I'm poor, he's worthy. Guess what? Because it's not about me or you or what we bring. It's about what he did. He is worthy. He's the one that shed his blood. He died on the cross. We're worthy because of him. And it's his gift to us. And we just have to receive it, church. We have to receive it. There was a centurion servant here in Matthew 8. It goes, Now when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, catch this, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having uh, soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does that. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled at his faith. And he said to those that followed him, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Then skipping down, it says, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, as you believed, so let it be done. And his servant was healed. So here's, here's a soldier that comes to the Lord that has a servant, and the Lord's willing to come to his house. And what's he say? Lord, I'm not worthy, but just speak a word. How many times has the Lord wanted to bless you, do something for you? And you've seen something, you feel, oh, Lord, I'd really like to do that, but I'm not worthy. That we judge ourselves, we count ourselves not worthy, and the Lord's saying, I want to come and visit with you. I want to spend time with you, but we judge ourselves unworthy. But the other thing is, but the guy had faith. He had faith that the Lord marveled at him. How many times have you had faith for someone else when you haven't had faith for yourself? I've been there a lot, man. We're like, Lord, bless that person. Lord, touch that person. Lord, that person's got gifts and needs. I mean, just, you know, Lord, I I believe they can do all these things for you, Lord, because they just got those gifts and talents. But when it came to my own life, I judged myself unworthy. Lord, I'm not worthy to get up there and speak. Lord, I'm not worthy to be involved in that ministry. Lord, I'm not really worthy to go and, uh, and worship you today and stuff. I'm not worthy, but yet still had faith to believe for other people. Because church, really, our faith, when coming to come in the church, when it comes to praising and worshiping the Lord, you may not, you may have had a bad week, you may feel all tore up on the inside, but your worship is not depending on what you feel because it's not about what we feel, it's about what he did for us. So he's always worthy to be praised and worshipped no matter what kind of state you're in. Matter of fact, when you're in a bad state, if you begin to worship and praise the Lord, like they sang in Revelations, they said, worthy is the Lamb of God. Chains were broken. The scroll was open. There's some things that will fall off your life when you begin to worship God and praise him and sing worthy is the Lamb because it's not about our worthiness. It's about he is worthy. To have faith like that that he could just say, Lord, speak the word, and he'll be healed. Man, how awesome would it be to have faith like that when the Lord says something to you, you could take it and just receive it 
and not maybe have to go ask four or five people, do you think the Lord really meant this? You know, do you, can you give me some confirmation, brother? You know, but when he says, you know, you can do that, Randall. Randall says, yes, I can take it. I can receive it. I want to know what all those things are that you got for me to do, Lord. Amen. That when he speaks the word, I could just say, yes, Lord. Yeah. I'll go to the Indian reservation. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll get him to speak your word. Yes, Lord. We'll just have that faith, that expectation. If we step out, God will meet us. But the centurion judged himself unworthy, but he had faith. Mark chapter 2, verse 3, said, Then came to him bringing a paralegic, or paralytic, there we go, who was uh, carried by four men, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, talking about Jesus, they uncovered the roof where he was, so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins have been forgiven you. And later on, he goes on and he heals the guy because the scribes were like, like what, who are you to say, you know, your sins are forgiven? And he's like, well, okay, I, not only can I forgive sins, but I can heal the guy too. So he heals the guy too, and he walks, he gets his bed, and he walks home. And that showed me right there, the Lord's willing to do more than we even expect. The Lord, the, the guy was there, he not only got his sins forgiven, Amen. he didn't have to go make a sacrifice that day, because the Lord told him, your sins are forgiven. Amen. And then he got up, and he walked home, taking his bed with him. That shows me when we pray for things, the Lord wants to do more than just what we pray for. You may have came in the house a cripple, but you'll go out whole if you'll trust the Lord. Who needs some friends like that, too? Who's got those friends, man, when you're down, will kick you? You know, because it makes them feel better about themselves than where you're at. But here are these four guys, these four friends, saw the need that their friend had, this man that was paralytic, and they took him to Jesus. They didn't have the answer, but they knew who did. How many of you need some friends in your life when you're down and you're hurting that would come around you and grab you and pray for you and minister to you and speak to you? Those are the people you need to pray in your life. That the people that will come and they'll just they'll minister to you, they'll, they'll, they'll help you get to Jesus. Because sometimes, you know, we want to know, we want to say that we have the answer, especially ministers. We want to think that we have the answers, you know, to, to the problems in your life. But the truth is, guys, we don't always have the answers. But we know the one that has the answers. And that's Jesus Christ. And here are these four guys, they take him, and they can't get him into the, this place where Jesus is at. And so they dig through the roof to get him to Jesus. And Jesus saw their faith, and he saw their expectations that they knew if they could get him to Christ, he would be healed. And the Lord not only healed him and forgave him of his sins. We have to have faith and expect things from the Lord in our lives. Now I'm going to move into Mark here about a story of a, of a little lady. It says, a great multitude followed him, talking about Jesus, and it says they thronged him. And that word throng means pressed in, pressed upon. Uh, best way I can kind of explain it is like when you're at a concert, if you ever went to a concert and you're sitting there at the gate and then they open the doors and everybody goes to the front of the crowd and you're just getting pushed from behind and pushed around. Everybody's just touching you and you're just, it's just you're, you're being pressed upon. And so this crowd's here and they're being pressed upon. Jesus is getting pressed upon by all these, pe- all these people. And it says, Now the certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things, um, or had suffered these things for many, for, um, for many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better off, and, but um, rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. 
For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched me? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, pressing you, and you say, Who touched me? They thought he was kind of crazy. And he looked around and see her and who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knew what had happened and came to, came to him and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and uh, be healed of your affliction. So there's this crowd of people. And Jesus is going down through there. And here's this lady that's got this issue of blood for 12 years. She's got this sickness. And she has, she's heard about Jesus. And so she's got this expectation now. This faith beginning to rise in her. She's got this expectation. If I can get to Jesus, I'll be healed. Amen. She's speaking, I'll be healed. But there also shows me in this story, too, that there was a crowd there, and she says she had to come up from behind, and being all these people around there, she had to push her way through. Amen. So how many of you know that to get our miracles sometimes, there's going to be some obstacles in our life that you're going to have to press your way through. You're going to have to push your way through to get to Jesus, to get what he has for you. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be a bed of roses. But if you want the miracle, if you're expecting it, if you're believing that God's going to touch your life, if you'll push your way through, press on and get to Jesus and touch his garment, touch his clothes, you can receive your healing. Because see, she pressed her way through, the Bible says, and she touched the Lord and she drew out of the Lord what she had need of. She had need of a healing in her body. With her faith, her expectations, she touched him, and he stopped, and he felt the healing virtue flow out of him. Her faith, her expectations touched him in such a way it caused him to stop. Now, Jesus is in this crowd of people. All these people are pushing up against him and touching him. They didn't get their miracle. But this one lady who had an expectation that he's the miracle worker. If I get to him, if I touch him, I'll receive my healing. And she touched him, and she received. She pulled out of Jesus what she had need of, which was that healing. See, God told Moses in Exodus, go tell my people, I am that I am. And see, what the Lord's trying to say is, everything you have need of, I am that. So if you take that out of there and put what you have need of, healing. I am healing. I am I am hope. I am. I am deliverance. I am. The Lord's saying, what do you have need of? I am that. I am. I am that hope. I am that peace. I am that healing. I am that deliverance. Whatever you have need of, I am that. God is saying to you, all you have to be willing to do is step out in faith and expectations and draw out of the Lord what you have need of in your life. She needed a healing. She touched him with her expectations. She pulled out a healing. Everything you have need of, church, again, is in here. It's in this gift that God has given for you. His son, Jesus Christ, has everything that you need of in your life, you'll ever need of in your life, is in Christ. She touched him and she drawled out what she had need of, which was that healing. She had faith and expectations and she received her healing. She drew out of him what she had need of. I wonder if today we'll be like the, the people in the crowd. We'll be satisfied with Jesus just being here, just rubbing up against him, touching him, but not causing him to stop by our chair and say, Randall drew out of me what he had need of. Will we be just like the people in the crowd? 
we're familiar with Jesus. We become familiar with church. We become familiar with the service. We become familiar with the altar service. And Jesus walks up and down, and we rub up against him, and we touch him, but we never cause him to stop and receive what we have need of in our life. And Jesus is wanting you to touch him with expectations and faith to receive what you have need of. The Bible talks about, in Mark 6, 3, and I'm going to say this, and I want to be real humble about this and, and, and not try to offend anybody. But says, is this not the carpenter's son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are these not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kind, and his own house. Among his own kind, and his own house. And I wonder sometimes, church, if we make the Lord without honor in his own house. When we get up and we leave in the middle of an altar service. See, because the altar is super important. It's the Holy Spirit's time to move and to minister. And I've, I've noticed for the last six months, a year, that when we give an altar call, half the church gets up and leaves. And I wonder if we make the Lord without honor in his house when we do that. I know sometimes you've got to go to work. You may be sick. But what about those other times? Is going out to eat afterwards, is planning your day in the middle of service, is it worth disrespecting the Holy Spirit when he begins to work? But see the altar? Some people come up here and, and they make life or death decisions here. Some people, this might be the only chance they get, the, Lord, the only time the Lord tugs on their heart for salvation. And when we get up and we walk out, or we cause a hindrance. I had one person come up to me one day and tried talking to me right in the middle of the altar about stuff going on. I said, this is not the time or place because this is important. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Do we make the Lord without honor in his house when we do stuff like that? And so, church, I'm going to close. The worship team wants to come back up. I'm a pretty short-winded guy. I don't talk very long. My whole thing today is just to try to get you to understand what the Lord put in my spirit, that the Lord loves you, He cares for you, He died for you, and He has everything for you. If you have the faith to reach out and accept it, if you have an expectation of your life, what, what do you want the Lord to do in your life? What are you desiring the Lord to do in your family, in your ministry, in your home, in your children? Those are all things that the Lord cares about because he cares for you. And he wants to see you grow. He wants to see you prosper. But you have to be willing to reach out with faith and expectations to say, Lord, touch me. Lord, let me receive what you have for me. Just like the little lady with the issue of blood. She had a faith and an expectation. She saw Jesus in the crowd, but she didn't let that bother her. She was willing to push through the crowd and go and touch his garment. And the Bible says she received from the Lord what she had need of. And I'm here today, church. I really, I've, I've been feeling this for a long I'm willing to pray with you and agree with you that the Lord will meet every need in your life. That the Lord will stir up faith 
within you because this is a faith walk. Everything we do is about faith in Christ. And the Lord's here, and he wants to touch you. He just doesn't want to bump up against you or have you bump up against him. He wants to touch your life. He wants to minister to you. He wants faith to arise in you. He wants you to grab the things that he has for you. He didn't call, you, call, uh, call us to be poor and broke, but he called us to an abundant life, to serve him and to be examples for him and to the lost and dying world. But how can we be examples to a lost and dying world when we go through life with no expectations for our own life, for our own ministry? And I'm saying today, church, if you'll come up, I want to pray with you. I want to get the other ministers to pray with you. And we want to touch and agree right here at this altar that God will meet the needs in your life, that God will take you to those next step, those kingdom steps, those kingdom relationships in your life. Put people in your life that will draw you closer to him, that will pick you up, that will build you up into the person that God's called you to be. With every head bowed, first of all, if there's anybody here that don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, there's no better time than the present because he loves you, he died for you, and he has all these things waiting for you but you have to be the receiver you have to be willing to receive what the Lord has purchased for you on the cross because he loves you but you have to be willing to press through the crowd you have to be willing to step out and say Lord I'm going to touch you with my faith and then receive from the Lord what he has for you